Hello and welcome to episode four of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Uh, my name's Dave Fensom. This week we do something slightly different. We break our own rules. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Depeche Mode's album Violator. Now, the sharp-eyed amongst you will realise that this album didn't actually make the number one spot. It came out in the same week as Changes Bowie, and well, sorry, in the same week that Changes Bowie was in the number one spot, so didn't quite make number one. Now, we're not going to make a habit of doing things like this, but every now and again when an album of note comes out, we might just break our own rules, simply because we want to, really. We thought it was worth talking about, uh, we thought we had something to say about it, so... Here we go. If you don't like it, let us know. As always, you can get in touch with us on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at pclpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at pclpodcast. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Pop Collaborate and Listen. You will find us there. We're putting out a little bit of content on there. I've had some nice feedback on that so far. So, yeah, please follow us on your social medias. And also subscribe if you can. Uh, we're getting bigger numbers than we expected to. So some people appear to be listening to it we've had some great feedback as well also we need to apologize last week in the Sinead O'Connor episode we confused the not in hillbillies with the traveling wilburys which is a heinous crime as is the music of both the not in hillbillies and the traveling wilburys but yeah thanks to, to Jake for pointing that out to us uh, shout out to Jake uh, what's going on in my life I'm absolutely uh, knackered I got back from Atlanta as we discussed last week then I went straight off to Budapest for the wedding of my uh, good friends Haley and Paul so I've been doing a lot of jet setting this year it's not what I normally do but yeah my timelines are all screwed up uh, I have no idea uh, who I am anymore I think I might be Krista um, but I know I'm not because I can pronounce the word hours properly anyway this podcast is brought to you as always by On The Edge Comedy which is Brighton's best new act and new material night it takes place on the first and third Fridays of every month this friday coming up which is the uh, first of march we have the wonderful esther manito headlining uh, if you haven't seen esther before go and see her before she's too big to get tickets for she is absolutely fantastic anyway that is it from me please enjoy the podcast let us know any feedback that you've got and uh, yeah i'll speak to you next week <laughs> And welcome to the Pop Collaborate and Listen podcast, where we listen to every single number one UK album of the 1990s in order and tell you what we think about them. Why are we doing this? We've just got nothing better to do, to be honest with you. We've failed at life. Uh, my name is Dave Fensom. I'm Christopher Greer. Here we are, week four. We are deep into 1990 at this point. Uh, we're we're, we're pr- relatively deep. We're at, still at the end of March. Uh, we did uh, Sinead O'Connor last week, yep. and she was in uh, sort of like the, the middle, middle to end. This is the last week of March, 25th to the 31st. Of March 1990. Okay, and what is the number one album this week, Krista? The number one album is uh, David Bowie's Changes Bowie. So if you're uh, listening to this for the first time, or you've just forgotten the rules that we set out in the first uh, episode, uh, because this is a compilation of best of, greatest hits, it's not a record we're going to talk about in the same level of details. The point of this podcast is to review the records that came out 
in the 90s. Obviously, this is a compilation, uh, so it kind of doesn't quite fit in with our criteria. But what we will do is we'll have a brief discussion about this record and about David Bowie in general, and then we'll have a look at what else is going on in the charts and we'll pick something else and we'll do uh, a, a more in-depth conversation with something else. Sound, sound all right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, this is going to be more of a conversation, I think, about us and our relationship with Bowie, where we came into Bowie, and what sure. our, what our thoughts are. Maybe you know, starting from where we were in 1990, if we were aware, and in general, how Bowie is is you know a thing for us. Okay, fair enough. Then. So okay, so this is this compilation 1990, 18 track compilation. Yeah, I mean, it really does. It it goes right from of the the first single, Space Oddity. Through the it's, it's the it's the real big hits that everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, literally, you know, if if you were on a classic rock station or a seventies or eighties uh, radio show, these are the ones that are getting played because they're the massive, massive yeah, big yeah. ones. I mean, it's, it is very much a, a dead on greatest hits. Yeah. So, nineteen ninety, were you listening to David Bowie? Not at all. No, um, I not not because I didn't want to mm-hmm. at all. It was because I had really no idea how big a deal he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that my first my first Bowie recollection would be Ashes to Ashes. I remember yeah. seeing that on top of the box. So that's what nineteen eighty, yeah. and I remember enjoying that for what it was. I had no idea of the back catalogue at that point or how much of an influence on other people he was. Now I did have a David Bowie single at this point. I had a seven inch. Uh huh. Uh, probably the, the I think we can all agree probably the best Bowie work because I had a seven inch of Dancing in the Street with his famous <laughs> duet with uh, Mick Jagger amazing <laughs> yeah, how, fucking, yeah. how embarrassing is that that was my Bowie experience for fuck's right? sake right. Yeah, I, so I knew Bowie from this I knew him from Labyrinth which I loved um and I knew, um, I knew some of the. I kind of Let's knew. Dance, you know. I, was, I was always interested in film and stuff, so I was always. Oh, I, I kind right. of was aware of the imagery around absolute beginners, but I hadn't pegged this as something that was someone that I was, you know, super into. Sure. Uh, I, I think I'd seen the BBC uh, miniseries, The Buddha of Suburbia. I think that was oh, by right. then. Okay. And I think I was of that kind of thing. Oh, it was all a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? I, I was a bit all. Yeah. It was all a bit much for me. I think at age. Age fifteen, right? Sure. Oh well, yeah. Um, I, otherwise, the other one, he was in was he in Cat People by that point. Okay. Uh, I, I think that would have been eighties. He was definitely here and there. I had no idea, but I, I knew the single of Absolute Beginners. Yeah. Again, seeing that on top of the pops, I had never I'd even thought about watching the actual film mm. uh, because. I was whatever twelve at the time. It sure. wasn't for me. So okay. So let's fast forward to what's your what's your relationship with Bowie now? I would say that I understand how important he is. I absolutely do. I understand how important he is in terms of uh, music and pop music and pushing things forward. Yeah. I really do. I still I don't own any actual Bowie albums. Okay. I've heard a couple for sure all the way through, but. Uh, he's he's not someone who is one of these big heroes for me in the way that he is to some people. Sure. Now, for me, at some point in the mid '90s, someone gave me a compilation which had "Rebel Rebel" on it, which I just loved and, loved right, and loved. Sure. I hadn't heard and I loved. And you know, I've been back through this, but it wasn't until I kind of uh, met my wife, and Jenny was a big Bowie fan, 
straight off. Right. That I started like hearing more of the records, and I, I, you know, I've been picking, you know, I've been picking up the vinyl reissues as they've been coming out. Oh, are you? I haven't been a completist. Okay, them. but you have been. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, in. I, yeah, basically, I just pick up, pick up an album and try and take in the like much as we're doing here, just trying to take in the albums and. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, so you know, I mean, I, I really love Aladdin Sane. Mm-hmm. Really love Low. That uh, mean I know that's a big one for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I'm, you know. Well, I think in general I'm more of a an albums man than you, than you anyway. Oh you we, yeah, we've definitely talked about this before. Uh, I am much more of a, a a best ofs or singles compilation thing. I love the hits. I'd have to say the best of the beats. Exactly. I I do partridge it sometimes, but there's obviously a lot of stuff to be said for Bowie's albums. I suspect I wouldn't go and put on a full album given the choice. I would I would dip in and out. See, I for me, totally the opposite. Yeah. I I, I want to. I wouldn't dream of putting this compilation on. Right. I wouldn't. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear what's going on in that era. What's he doing? And all. And I want to hear all the track one to the end. Yeah, exactly. That. Right. I, I. You know. This I, is what his this little uh, snapshot of his career. Sure, and that's not to say that I haven't got. Bowie songs on playlists, of course I have. Right, but I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not really a greatest hits kind of dude. I I, I still have a lot of love for the album format. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I've Fair still enough. got a lot of love for it. So for me, I think it would be a perfectly good compilation to give to someone that had never listened to Bowie. Yeah, sure. Uh, it'd be a great primer to go. Okay, this is what you're into, and now go on your journey. Yeah. Okay. Got no. fa- got favorite Bowie song. Heroes, would be mine. Nice, love heroes. Love heroes. From from this record, I would say, I, I mean, I, I, you know, your first love is always your best. I still think like Rebel Rebel is pretty much a perfect song. Um, I think if we had to pick the worst song on this compilation, yeah. It's the terrible remix they've done of Fame to, to do something a little different to put oh, a new song on here. Do you know what I I I, I listened I did listen to this and mm-hmm. I, I had it on in the background. And the, yeah. the songs are quite familiar to me, and to be honest with you, I I don't think I picked up on it. Well, it, it was remixed just just for this album yeah. for no good reason I can tell, except that they wanted to do something different. Right. Basically, they kind of screwed with a classic yeah. for no reason, and in subsequent releases of this album, yeah. they just put the, the original album version back on. What, why is it, where's this horn coming from? Right. Did you just say that the 90s mix had a fucking horn on it? Yeah. Here we go, it'll come in a minute. That horn stab. I'll just leave it alone, boys. Exactly. This is like this is like when George Lucas, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, went back and fucked with Star Wars. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, that's yeah. another. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, no to that. And we should. I mean, we always, we normally mention album covers first. We Ooh. haven't done that now, but Jesus Christ, this is terrible, isn't it? Oh, it's one. It's the worst we've seen so far. Yeah, you this, know, it's worse than the Christians. There are teenage collages across the world that were done with far more aplomb than this yeah. was. Some someone got paid for this. I can only imagine that they just ran out of time and gave it to an intern. I, it's really, I mean, if you haven't seen it, go and look at it because, like Dave says, it's just a shit collage. I mean, I mean, what? I mean, the thing is, as well, for someone that was always so image conscious, so so much into the, you got, you've got to presume this was something that was. I mean, I don't know. Was this put out by the record company as a contractual obligation? I'm not or? sure. Not sure on that. Um, I, but yeah, you can only assume that he had very little input into the final product. I mean, to be fair though, this is the era. This is the the era he put a drum and bass album out. So perhaps he just well, fucking lost his mind briefly. Yeah, true enough. Um, and I, I did. I saw there was a quote. I think just from the, the Wikipedia stuff. It said the cover artwork was generally dismissed as amateurish. A, a sixth form cut and paste collage. Oh mate, it's not even a sixth form. Uh, did find out though that this collection gave Bowie his first UK chart topping album since in 1984. He'd not had a number one album since then. Yes, but I mean, I mean this is cheating because it's the best off. Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't actually count. But when did Let's Dance come out? Um, that would have been eighty-five, I think. Okay. I mean, that song didn't really. Uh, that's a weird it's song, isn't it? Because I don't think it got the love at the time as much as it's like it's become like a whole generation's favorite Bowie song. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of these things. I think at the time. It was kind of critically dismissed because it was a bit, bit too poppy, mm. uh, and he was wearing some ridiculous big outfit in the video, and he didn't look as cool as he used to. Right. Um, but like you say, the, the time has uh, has proved it to be one of sort of not necessarily a fan favorite, but a populist favorite. It's the one that sure. everyone will dance to. Yeah, absolutely, bizarrely. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Co-written by your man from Chic. Oh, uh, Nile Rogers. Nile Rogers, thank you. Oh, I did know that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, now you said it. Yeah, absolutely. He was a co-producer, I think, on that album and wrote that for the boy. That dude has co-produced some oh, great man. songs, man. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you looked at his terrible career. shit as well, but let's not dwell there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, it's it's one of these things. Like you said, it's it's cheating that it's a number one, but it got him back, I guess, into people's heads. And sure. I, I, was, I bet you it made him a shit ton of money. Anyway, so let's let's uh, close the door on Change Bowie. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's new in the charts, the album's charts this week? Let's have a look. Okay, so if you did hear last week's podcast when we were doing Sinead O'Connor, yep. we are only one week on from that yep. in, in time here. Yeah, because Bowie was number two last week. Exactly. Bowie went in at number two while Sinead was one. Uh, he's now gone up to number one. And so it does mean that there's not a lot of new stuff in the album top ten. Okay. Um, we've still got Tina Turner Foreign Affair. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, the B-52s have got a re, uh, reissue or a re-entry rather for Cosmic Thing because of the success yeah. of Love Shack. Then we're going back through old ones. Chris Rea, Road to Hell, Essential Pavarotti, Phil Collins, but seriously, still mm. in at number five. Carpenter's Greatest Hits is, yeah. a, is one that we will be talking about another time because it's, yeah. it's, it's going to move up. One of my mum's favourites. This one of these things, you know, they're cheesy as shit, uh, mm -hmm. but fuck me, they got some tunes. There you go. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, and then we've got Vivaldi, Four Seasons, the Nigel Kennedy version. Sinead O'Connor, I do not want what I haven't got, has gone down to number three mm -hmm. from number one last week. And we have a new entry at number two 
which is Depeche Mode's Violator. Oh shit! Straight in at number two. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no doubt what we're talking about then this week, is there? That's got to be it. I mean, that's the biggest thing, really, this week. Sure. Now, obviously, if you want to hear what we think about any of the other records, go back to last week's podcast. Yeah. You can hear it all on the Sinead O'Connor uh, podcast there. Um, but yeah, okay. So this is Depeche Mode's seventh studio album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, realistically, the first of their albums that I really knew about. Yeah, uh, I think the first, uh, I had a, basically, Depeche Mode, My Next Door Neighbour, when I was, uh, you know, when I was 15, James, he <laughs> really got into uh, 101, the live record. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I did have that. That was amazing. And so I got into, you know, kind of the back catalogue through that. And then when this record came out, he he bought this straight away, and I heard it from there. So I've I've, okay. I've known this album since it came out, and full disclosure, I love this album. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is probably if I made a top twenty albums of all times, I would imagine it would be in there. Really? Wow, that is that's high I praise. love this record. So I mean, did you love it straight away? Like uh, when you heard I, it from this guy. I liked it. I liked it straight away. But the thing with this record, and we'll get onto it, is it's got a couple of big hooks that will draw you the fucking right. Sure. Yeah. This is this is an album with a lot of different weapons on it, and this is an album as well that, as I've progressed through having different qualities of like ability to listen to records. Yep. So having better stereos, better stereos in my car, up to having really good headphones. This is a record. That every time, like that through these different periods, it's always got more to give. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, this is a, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll again, we'll mm. uh, we'll talk about this a lot. But let's. Okay, so this went straight into number two. Yeah, absolutely, straight into number two, and obviously because we're talking about it now, as opposed to when it was number one, mm-hmm. it never got to number one in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was kept off. Okay, and it didn't do number. It went number seven in the states. Is that right? Yeah, but, but I think. This, this, it was the first of their albums I'm just reading my note here uh, first of their albums to chart inside the top 10 of the Billboard 200 okay yeah. Uh, their other ones obviously had been cult popular I'm guessing over there Yeah. Uh, building up to the 101 release because yeah. that was their US tour but no they, they had never had a top 10 album until this point I mean this this album sold a couple of copies didn't it though Jesus Christ what's the number oh I've not got it in front I, of me. I think it's 3 million Jesus really yeah, Fair this enough. this is a this is a multi platinum album in America. This yeah. is this is the album that really massively broke. I mean, I love the fact that what four goths from Basildon. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, they are the most unlikely stadium headliners in the world. Yeah, and I, I would say as well. I, I mean, I don't. Know, I, I was thinking about this. Whether or not you think Depeche Mode are cool, mm. I guess is a subjective question. But okay. I think they are probably one of the coolest bands that are able to headline stadiums and arenas alright okay who's cooler not fucking you too it, well no absolutely not um, at that level yeah because I suppose if you're looking at that level you're looking at people like Guns N' Roses Metallica Iron Maiden uh, those are all yeah. ones Coldplay yeah Coldplay sure. obviously you've got uh, Sheeran you, yeah you've got your pop you've got your pop stars as yeah. well and Foo Fighters you've yeah got, yeah uh, you know, you've got. Uh, I mean, I guess Queens of the Stone Age, maybe. Okay. Yeah. True. 
you know, Queens and Stonehenge have still got a mystique about them. But I'm, you know, I, mm-hmm. I suppose they are kind of arena tour status now, aren't they? they? They are. I mean, we saw Queens and Stonehenge at Hyde Park. Yeah. Um, Depeche Mode are too big for Hyde Park, aren't they? They wouldn't do that. They would do. Well, I mean, last last time I, saw, I mean, I saw Depeche Mode live for the first time proper mm-hmm. last year, and I saw that that was a that was a completely sold out O2. O2, right? Did they only do one date? Oh, because I bet you they would. I can't they remember, if they, sell I can't remember if they did times. one or two dates, but right. I mean, it was it was it was instantly sold out. Oh yeah, right? it, was, it was incredibly instantly yeah. sold out. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. No, well, then that, yeah, that's fair enough. That's a good question. Um, and respected, you know, yeah, uh, respected amongst their peers as well, mm-hmm. and influential for what are we talking thirty years now, thirty-five yeah. years. Yeah, that, that, that's true. They're still one of the big ones. So, what I think is really interesting about this. Um, is this this is their seventh album? Mm-hmm. Seven records in, and the other records have been you know you've got some big singles and some big songs and the earlier stuff. Yeah, but to blow up as big as they did on a seventh record, that's unusual, isn't it? It is. That is a long journey. Yeah, yeah. So that's not the the usual path. I mean, obviously in the eighties it was a bit more like that. Sure, um, people didn't do the same thing as they do now where there's hype 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 first album sells loads and then nothing ever mm-hmm. again uh, it, it, there was definitely more of a building structure for bands back then but seven albums is is yeah. pushing it really okay so look, let's let's start as we do let's have a look at the album cover yep what have we got here what are you seeing the the, the album cover is is a red flower on a black red background. red flower that's how it's pronounced on a black background <laughs> uh it's very stylized, yeah. Um, and even though at the time I probably wouldn't have been aware of goth, really, yeah. it has that that little. Uh, oh, sure, it's inkling. got that. Edge. I mean, it's, it's, it's an Anton Corbin image. Yeah. Uh, so Anton Corbin, obviously, video artists mm-hmm. work with Madonna amongst other people, mm-hmm. with all kinds of people. I think it's a really kind of striking image. It fits the album very well. You kind of got that yeah. jet, jet black image. All you got on there is the kind of the reds, the greys, the blacks. Mm-hmm. It it's works a, brilliantly. It's a good album. It's a good image. I like it very much. And as well, I don't know whether maybe it is because it's the red of it, but there's either a menace or it's it's there's a dark personality to it. Okay, and the, I mean that is you know that's very that's very much. Uh, Depeche Mode all over there really yeah. isn't it and maybe also as well because the name of the album is Violator I mean that's you know it's named you know it's named like a dildo so it's yeah funnily enough I mean like the I mean you can never know like misinformation things along those lines but I mean I think we read one interview with uh, Martin Gore where he said the album title itself was actually kind of a bit of a joke they just went we wanted to come out with the most ridiculous heavy metal kind of record yeah. title that we can but strangely, you know, uh, you know, with their whole kind of like kind of goth, dirgy kind of sex vibe, mm. and that's, it's interesting actually because we go back to what I just said about Changes Bowie, and mm. there was a kind of sexuality around that that I think I found a bit intimidating at the time. Okay, but I think maybe I didn't tune into some of that aspect of this at the time. Sure. Well, I I definitely didn't. But, you, know, have, you know, the first singles off this I took on total face value yeah. didn't read anything else into it but yeah I mean this guy likes to talk about fucking doesn't he though Jesus Christ doesn't he though yeah he really does so yeah okay so on the album on the album title sorry album cover I put a copy of that on my wall yeah oh definitely it's it's proper artwork but, and again, it's proper artwork, proper <laughs> artwork. <laughs> it's not one of your shites <laughs> it will, it, and just going off 
It's not the Phil Collins one. It's not the fucking Christians cover. Yeah. And it's not the Sinead one, which was basically the, the yeah, Phil this Collins is a, one. This is an album cover. It's, yeah. This is someone that gives a fuck for their album. Well, they, exactly. Like. They've got an idea. They've got um, a style they want to project. Mm. And so they've actually worked towards that. Yeah. So, right, okay. Uh, Shall we... Let's crack into it. Track number one is World In My Eyes. I'm not World In Motion, as I've written down on my my notes, apparently. That's a very different song. So, yeah, World In My Eyes, here we go. So far, so Depeche Mode. It's just such a nice, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a simple little hook. And it's that drum sound. Yeah, but it, I mean, that is it's almost a little bit Casio on that. It's it's not a big, booming drum. It's, it's that, that... It is, but you can either wait. But everything you hear, you go, oh, all of these sounds have been have been tweaked and edited. Yes. Yeah. That's like, every, you know, every single one of these, everything in this record is about about the depth of sound in this. Yeah, like, a lot of this was a was a lot more simple than uh, less busy than some of the older stuff. Sure, yeah, that's a little true. bit stripped on a bit. Yeah, a little bit looser mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how. It, and it, it's so strange that the, the the as they did that, it just br- it gave it just a, a little bit more. I don't know, like kind of organic feel, I suppose. Maybe so. I mean, I don't know. It, it, uh in reading the background of this there was uh, the, one of the producers they had was uh, Francois Kevorkian mm-hmm. who did a lot of stuff who you know did a lot of his own stuff in the 90s as well yeah. for dance music but I suspect he's got that more kind of craftwork work clinical uh, he was he was he was doing a lot more of the producing on the computers rather than the, the tapes and the rock thing that they've been doing in the last couple of albums well yeah I mean what, the thing is I mean I, I read a little bit they, they changed their writing process for this record because previously how they did obviously Martin Gore at this point is the main songwriter yeah. I don't think David Garn started writing songs for them until a little bit later right um, so I don't think he started writing songs with them until the early 2000s oh I see okay. so I think Martin right. Gore was doing all of, but the, uh, I read and what they would do is they would get together um, uh, kind of in pre-production like decide upon the sound of the record kind of collectively and then they'd go into like a sequencing studio mm-hmm. for weeks and put that stuff all together but this time around they went in with far looser demos and had a lot more space creatively for the other members of the band within right. within the structures of the songs so Martin Gore was going in with the bare bones more than a, a yeah. finished product I mean I, I think bare bones is probably over oh, yeah, I, mean, sure. I mean have you ever seen this guy this guy's synthesizer collection I, I have not oh yeah I mean google yeah, it at some point it's just this insane room of just modules and keyboards <laughs> fair enough you know this guy knows what he's talking about in terms of synthesizer sounds oh god yeah well they, they invented so much of that sound in the 80s yeah for sure yeah, absolute pioneers of it. Um, and so, okay, so let's you know, so straight away it's layers and layers of different sound. It builds through, it builds yeah. through, um, and then you've got Dave Garn's voice coming. Yeah, very distinctive voice. Uh, yeah, it really does. I mean, it, it's it's very distinctive, and you you know, if you're listening to this album or the last couple, very distinctive. It's absolutely, I think, not uh, just can't get enough from 1981. He's yeah. he's much more of the rock star 
by this point. Oh, he's broody. Yeah, yeah. But the, I think the, the I think the funny thing though, have you have, have you have you seen Depeche Mode live? Never have. No. Okay. No. Have you seen footage of them live? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like I say, I would I would probably put 101 as my favorite live album. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it's incredible. That's massive. I think I, it's incredible. I, I, I think you're absolutely correct. It mm. is. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, but you know, for all his darkness and his brooding and his kind, of, you know, you kind of imagine him kind of sitting on his little goth throne. Yeah. But he is as flamboyant and camp as you like. Right? <laughs> right. He is all he is all hand gestures. He is the fairy Oberon from. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he really? is, yeah, he is all like. But I mean, he's a like, fantastic showman. But uh-huh. it's like, wow, this is not quite what I was expecting yeah. in a really good way. He's like, I mean, dude knows how to front a band. But sure. Yeah. I was watching the video for this for World of My Eyes and it, there's a lot of live footage from the Violation Tour yeah. the World Violation Tour and he's there in some tight white jeans and a big leather jacket running around the stage yeah yeah, and he is he's looking like he's loving every fucking second mm-hmm. and again you remember from 101 in between all the songs when it was these big industrial strength songs yeah. uh, bang 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 and then in between each one she's got this this Basil and Blood going, yeah, all right, all right, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Dave, calm yourself, man. <laughs> Sounded like a, you know, in Iron Man three, the uh, the Ben Kingsley character, <laughs> yeah. the Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. so yeah, okay. So um... I'll tell you another thing I like about this song mm. uh, because this song is utter filth. Oh my god, isn't it? This is the first song on the album, and already this is just filth. Yeah. Uh, I love the bit I love the first couple of lines you know it's, it's not exactly the same but you know the sound that a ruler makes when you uh, snap it off a table yeah. there's a bit that reminds me of that it was that bit that got me alright cool I absolutely love this it is I mean it's it's uh, someone going surrender to me yeah I'm going to give you the fucking of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to do some stuff to you. I'm yeah. pretty good at this. You're going to make this, I'm going to take you up a mountain. Uh-huh. I'm going to drop you to the bottom of the sea. You look at the world in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's that th- the whole thing of, like, looking someone face to face. And, yeah. I mean, he is, yeah, he's, he's fairly confident of his ability. He is. Um, and I imagine he's had some practice. Yeah, I'd imagine he, I'd imagine he has. But yeah, so it's, it's a super pervy song, incredibly atmospheric. Yeah. It gives you that kind of you, you straight away you're in, you're in a different world. You're in a, you know, it's a slightly kind of dangerous mm. world that happens after dark and the freaks come out. Yes, and the the, the, the word you use, surrender, is exactly what they're they're talking about. It's mm. it's giving yourself over to pleasure. It's yeah. letting whatever's going to happen happen. Trust me, but don't don't yeah. don't uh, try and stop this and there is a lot of that on this record yeah, yeah mean, there really is. this is a theme we'll come back to again and again and you know yeah I guess well we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it but yeah uh, in terms of you know we talked a lot about album openers mm-hmm. I think this is a great album I, I do I mean it's, it's again it's it is a great one because it's a terrific song it's yeah. a brilliant song it's not the big I mean if they put Personal Jesus as the first one then you have that huge riff coming in and you're already off mm-hmm. you bang 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 gone but where do you go next well true true but it, 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 they've done I think probably the right thing in sliding in 
so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Fletcher apparently calls this his favourite Depeche Mode song. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He said that if you had to if you had to pin it down, it's this one. Okay. This was I mean how many how many singles did we have this off this record? Four, I think it yeah. is. I think this was four. one of them, wasn't it? It was. This was the last one. Yeah. Uh, this was September nineteen ninety they released this as a single. Okay. Which is why they were able to use on yeah, the Yeah, so footage. see it's it's a it's a year on a year on. Yeah. Strangely enough, that's what Phil did, didn't it? He he had the, the last single off his record was the first, was the first that's true, actually, first yeah. track. So maybe that's yeah. a yeah. Yeah, I suppose uh, true enough. That's always a strange one. I don't know because usually I would always think that the first song on an album probably should be able to be a single because it needs to be strong yeah. it needs to be something that uh, is recognisably a big tune but yeah it, it obviously is cool. I love I just uh, I love there's a line that I saw Billboard whenever this was released mm-hmm. described this as Gan playing horndog travel agent inviting a lover to follow him somewhere where pleasure reigns supreme and everything else ceases to exist. Fair enough. A mate. horndog travel agent. I mean, yeah, I think I think just to, to use horndog <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm in favour of that. Favour Maybe of that it. should have been the title of this album. Yeah. Horndog. Horndog <laughs> millionaire. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, which is a pretty good description of that. Guy, There's also a, a great bit in the video uh, where it's intercut with um, a big cinema screen showing live footage, mm-hmm. but it's Dave Gann and a woman in a car watching it at a drive-through cinema. Right, and he just the both of them. It's night time, and he's, they've both got sunglasses on. Yeah, and he just occasionally looks at her and sings these lyrics to her. Yeah, and I'm thinking that's the worst first date I ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> this terrified woman. Yeah, but Bono watched it and went. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, that's basically the whole Zoo TV thing. Anyway, yeah, right. True. So, um, right, yeah, brilliant tra- opener. Brilliant opener. Track two. Track two. Sweetest perfection. Okay. Right, uh, and this one, I was, I have heard this album definitely. I never owned it. I think wow. I had, a, I think I had a tape copy for a while when I was uh, at school. Uh-huh. Never owned it, but it's been on parties and stuff, and people have played it all the time. Yeah. So I knew it. What but kind this, of parties were you going to? You want to know? Yeah. Uh, this one, Sweetest Perfection, because it's not an album track. I was coming in going, I do remember this, but not well. Yeah. So it was lovely to come back to this. So anyway, so here's how it starts Sweetest Perfection. The sweetest perfection to call my own. The slightest correction. There's something just off on that vocal, and it's weird. Yeah. It, the, the vocal's been treated in some way, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine, do think. Like the way, the way it sits with that kind of, like, that kind of, like, kind of uh, synth line, mm-hmm. I find that really quite disquiet. It makes me like uneasy. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's like someone in a horror film. Yes, yeah. very much. I write horror films yeah. as well. It's got, it's got, it goes kind of like, Almost like a theremin like thing there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a menace in there. There's a, a spookiness. Yeah, menace is an incredibly good word. For yeah. It. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know whether this is uh, uh, lyrically a song with uh, using drugs as a metaphor for sex. Or whether it's just drugs as a metaphor for drugs. <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely either way because I, I suspect that they want you to think it's about drugs. Yeah. But they're actually talking about fucking as well. Quite possibly. Or, you know, or vice versa, or both. Well, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's yeah. like, I, you know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've got a real weak spot for a kind of sad, junky ballad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm an Alice okay. in Chains fan. You know I mean? Right, sure, yes. And, 
you know, uh, I, I, you know, again, this is really kind of brooding, really kind of menacing, as you mm-hmm. said, kind of creates this. I don't know. Uh, all of it is, uh, all of it paints a picture. Mm-hmm. All of it paints a picture, and it's kind of, and it's a real removal from whatever world it is you generally know. Yeah, I mean, especially to someone hearing this at a 15 year old in 1990 yeah. you must have been going I have not a clue what world this man's yeah. moving in I mean, I, and you know I've subsequently been to quite a lot of golf clubs and I'm still none the wiser <laughs> right still none the wiser because I I tell you this is this is not what I've experienced in a regional golf club do you know yeah I'm not hearing anyone here with a significant weight problem one way or the other wearing a fishnet top I'm not right male or female and that is my general experience of golf <laughs> yeah, clubs that's fair actually yeah. a lot of patchouli oil <laughs> lots lots so right, but, um, yeah, the, 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 the lyrics like with the words he's using about injection and infection yeah this sort of thing it really is it's, it's painting the picture and looking back obviously knowing that Gans have this history of drug abuse and drug problems yeah it, it, you know and again, is is Martin Gore trying to push Dave Grant to be singing about this for for his own agenda? Well, I mean, who knows? But you have to think. All right, this is this is a big drug song for Dave. The, the, yeah, the thing is, like you know, kind of. I think because Dave Grant went so far for us, he gets a lot of. But look, the rest of Depeche Mode were not fucking angels. No, that's fair. Enough, the yeah. they were all absolute kings. If you look at early pictures of Martin Gore, he's you know, fully in his mm. in his bondage gear. This is, you know, this is, you know, this is, whichever whether whether this is metaphorical or whether this is on the nose, it's certainly a song about the nihilism of surrender again mm-hmm. to pleasure. And you know, this is one that maybe reflects a little bit more on consequences. Sure, yeah, um, but it is, it, 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 it's it's it's. A love song, either a love song to drugs or a love song to sex, because it's not saying these things are awful and I hate them. Yeah, it's the sweetest perfection, and it's this is what I do to to get me off. Exactly. Yeah. Have you, uh, I mean, there's a there's a really really lovely um, uh, string arrangement that comes through in this. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, and again, it it kind of stood out to me this yeah. string bit. Um, but so, I, did in a good way or a bad way? Um, it, First hearing of it this the other day when I was doing this, I thought it didn't fit. I'll come back to it again. Oh, about that guitar pitch Because the the change is slightly abrupt. Yeah, yeah. See, I see. I I understand what you mean by that, but I think that as soon as that vocal comes back in over it, you're straight back into the song again. Oh yeah, and then the the two merge. Yeah, yeah, and, and the strings different part. I, I quite like that. Yeah, kind of. Boof. Yeah. Right. I tell you what, it made me think of look, the whole track made me think of it, but the string bit especially with the vocal being that kind of uh, little horror movie esque uh, was the uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh really? That's, okay. Yeah, it got that that the whole feel of it sounded like a man in a mask 
talking about what he's really into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but um, yeah, I, I really like that. And it's got this kind of really sci-fi-esque kind of outro. I put sci-fi, you know, maybe maybe horror is a better word, but I don't know. Let's have a listen to that. I, I really like the way this song kind of ends as well. Okay. Yeah, it's quite ours. Puts me in a yeah, you know, yeah, 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 Okay, so two two good ones so far. So presumably by the time we get to track three, it's got to be a bit of a drop off. Yeah, of course. They can't keep this shit up, can they? Yeah, exactly. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Yeah, personal Jesus. Reach out, touch space. Bam. Uh, the first time I heard this, yeah, I thought this is fucking brilliant. And that's exactly it. Just that's straight away, that killer riff. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and this is this is, you know. I, you know, I, I talk a lot about the fact that, you know, there's a couple of records that really got me into rock music and hip hop. Sure. But I would say this record is what pulled me into the slightly more alty side really? of, of music, you know, kind of counter, really kind of countercultural stuff. Right, okay. Stuff that had a bit, you know, kind of slightly smarter stuff, you know. Mm hmm. Um, and when this was the first single off the album as well. So this was the first bit you'd heard of their new material. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, my, uh, this was the first single. So my friend had this on 7 inch when it came out. Right. So we were ready for the album to come out when it came. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, it was August 89 this came out. So it was, you know, yeah. six months before. The album. This this song is, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty much perfect in every it, way. Shape yeah, or form. yeah. Um, at the time, did you read anything else into it apart from uh, it being about, you know, it being able to phone up someone and talk uh, and confess to or whatever on the on the telephone? What I found generally, actually, going back and listening to this album for this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, this was a harder album for me to make notes on. In some ways, than the stuff that we've gone into fresh, because I've got such a relationship. With oh, I see. Okay, you've okay. got thirty or twenty years. Of yeah, work, and you? because it's been, you know, kind of ubiquitous at the back of my mind. Uh, um, I, I guess there's the quite. I, I think I'd really never delved that deeply into what personal Jesus meant. You mm -hmm. know, I've just got the kind of the top lines of sound bites, and I'm thinking. Messiah complex. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I've not really, I've not really dug too deeply into it because obviously, on yeah, on yeah, on the face of the lyrics, if you take them at face value, it's a song potentially about like phoning up like a telephone-based yeah. like, evangelist or someone along those lines. Yeah, yeah, kind of your Billy Graham types who offer a premium rate service yeah. to to take your money while. Uh, f selling God to you, flesh and bone on the telephone. Yeah, and you know, I'm still not a hundred percent sure it needs to be anything more than that. It's quite a compelling image, but obviously, mm. I mean, what, what's your? You know, obviously, if you take, you can take it a whole other way, which is, you know, like again, friend, Messiah complex. Well, and uh, the, the the thing I read about this was that. Um, 
uh, Martin Gore got the title, got personal Jesus, that phrase yeah. from a book written by Priscilla Presley about oh, I, Elvis. I as well, yeah. And so it was about uh, Priscilla saying that Elvis was her personal Jesus. Yeah. And in in as much as so she had, had invested everything to this one human being man, yeah. uh, and that was an unhealthy level of uh, of trust or responsibility to put into any one person yeah so it's it's an unbalanced relationship like that sure so and for so there's that side where dave gang could be i'll be your personal jesus uh you don't have to do anything except worship me i'm going to give very little back yeah because i'm 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 a god uh-huh. and so it's that one-sidedness of yeah that. there's a, that's one of the readings you could have yeah so for me i kind of almost don't want to read too much into the Mm-hmm. I want to accept it as just bombast. Fair enough. Yeah, I, whatever it means, it makes you feel something. Oh sure. I must admit, at the time, I didn't read anything into lyrics. No. I wasn't, and and also, you know, similar to discussions we've had before, I'm much less of a lyrics person than you are. Yeah. Uh, I like a hook and a beat, mm-hmm. and I'm happy with that. So he could be talking about anything as long as there's that big twangy riff. And the, the the pounding drums, and I'd be all right with yeah, it. Yeah, you just got. I mean, the, the, that I mean that bass line that runs through it is not that complicated. It's a pretty, oh god no, and it's but you know, but it's sweat. But I think you know, Martin Gore is just such a good arranger of songs. Yeah, like the way things swell and peak and you know that reverse reverb on that opening vocal. It's the size of that vocal as well. That's a that's yeah. a that's on a you know this is a career defining song. Several seven. Seven albums in. This is True. a career-defining song. Obviously, they've just done a massive stadium tour, but this is this is the whole weight of that experience in that in that vocal. Yeah, because and, and and this song, you know, um, so many, you know, so many, uh, you know, we t- we talked last week uh, about Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, and so much of that is all about that vocal, and the, the you know the music. Uh, is is secondary in a lot of in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. Mm-hmm. This is an example where everything is just as important as everything else. Yeah, the arrangement fair. is massive. The vocal performance, the you know, and then you know the kind of the post production, the what they've done to it. Just it's just yeah. a com- you know it's a completely well conceived, put together piece of music. Uh, and I think the the thing that separates this band from a lot of bands of their ilk if you know if you're talking about synth bands into industrial bands is they really know when to stop okay to the point where stuff is precisely produced but rarely super overproduced okay and uh, you know i I think that's an i think you know i think you know they say art is never finished it's just abandoned but knowing when to abandon it is a skill in of itself that's fair enough it? yeah but then i suppose there's you know various accounts over the the years of people who cannot leave an album alone and yeah. keep tinkering and tinkering you know brian wilson this sort of stuff billy corgan smashing yeah. pumpkins mate guns and roses guns and did roses. you ever hear the, the the chinese arithmetic or whatever it was called no i mean fuck me that's that's a lot of record that's right. that's like you know if you've if you've ever like um, decorated a house and you like just go, oh, this, they've never stripped any of this paint off. And you're just going through 20 years worth of paint. <laughs> like put your finger like it's like yeah. up to the knuckle in a groove of different colours. And like, none of it suits the one behind it. No, it's all just, not. oh no, let's try this instead there. Yeah, yeah. I'll just put it all on top. Just put, stick this over at the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. sure. Well, no, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. I like the point. Okay, cool. So, and also uh, on this one, uh, I read that this is 
the first Depeche Mode song to feature a guitar as the dominant instrument. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'd had guitars, obviously, in, you know, um, trying to think, People Are People, maybe, or uh, Behind the Wheel, this uh-huh. sort of one, but they weren't the, that's, they, they weren't doing the riff. So right. this one was the first, the guitar was the lead instrument on this one, first time for them. Fair enough. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Know, I, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, it's the only one really on this album as well that has that kind yeah. of a sound to it, but Jesus Christ, it worked for them. Yeah, I mean, huge was, attention. Of course, there's a lot more when you when you get into Songs of Faith and Devotion, the next record. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more guitar yeah. starts coming to the fray. Yeah, I feel you in that sort of stuff. <sighs> was that, that was that, you know, that was Ultra, wasn't it? No, no. I feel was you, that Songs? I, I, feel, I feel you done Songs of Faith. Oh, okay. We're gonna get to that. Is that going to be a number one? I wonder. I do not know. Oh, I hope it is. Anyway, hmm. right. Um, for me, this is a again. This is a near perfect pop song. Brilliant and, single. And it's it's one of those songs that kind of. There aren't many songs that are, you know, this would have been being played in commercial clubs. This has been played on Radio 4. Mm-hmm. It would be played in, you know, kind of alternative clubs, mm-hmm. in goth clubs. This would have been played in quite a lot of fairly incongruous... It only, it only got to number 13 on the charts as a single. So it wasn't a top 10 or anything, but it was it was the one that presumably made people go, oh, I didn't think I liked Depeche Mode anymore. Yeah. I do know I like to bash more again. And we just take a second just to say, uh, fuck the Marilyn Manson cover of this song. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's so redundant. It's well, it's the, that's the exact word, yeah. Because Johnny Cash's version is all right. It's yeah. fine. It's, it doesn't change too much, but it's all right. He's, he's got a nice take on it. Mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson is just doing it for uh, commercial. It's, it's almost like on. he's a talentless hacker. That's well, been a good song since <laughs> fucking Trent Reznor started writing for him. Anyway, um... <laughs> Yeah. So right, okay. So uh, that's track three. Yes, track three, personal Jesus. And now we're moving into track four, which is Halo. Halo. Yeah, indeed. So let's see how this one begins. That's quite an SME sounding. Mm-hmm. Bit heavy breathing. Yeah. And there's some of that. That's, there's your Depeche Mode synth yeah. coming in there. It's kind of. This is the, that's the synth sound that would inspire all kinds of Josh Wink records. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great lyric, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. You should look at Halo. Start off like that. I like I like about this is you, you've gone straight from the, the like the kind of the big poppy bombast yep. of personal Jesus, and now we're into kind of this sparse kind of confessional territory. Okay? Yeah, yeah. That lyric we're saying we like it's you know um, bound by your feet, halo in reverse. Yeah. Okay. So this is a song about uh, he's looking at someone and going, "You again, you want to give in to this, but you're 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 too uptight." Mm-hmm. You're too uptight. You're not. So basically, you know, I, I wrote here like David Garn as the uh, the voice of the snake in the Garden of Eden. Oh, okay. That's kind oh, of what that tempting. is. Right. But you know, but instead of talking about eat the, I mean, it's like eat this apple, and she's like, that's not an apple. <laughs> Jesus Christ, David, is that your dick? So like, yeah, this is my dick. And what's that in your other hand? Oh, that's a syringe, right? <laughs> what do you mean? It's like the, the classic. You know, I mean, like the version. You know, the dinner and a movie date with Dave Garn is skag and a shag. It's that's. <laughs> Bit of brown coming down. Nice. Yes. Oh, God. Do you oh, know what I mean? God. 
So, right. It's all fucking piles of leather trousers and fucking tourniquets. That's all it is. That's that's a night with Dave Garn. At least you know what you're getting. A morning full of regret. <laughs> yes. And an AIDS test. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But, man, fucking big oppressive sense. This is industrial, industrial, industrial. Yeah. Proto-industrial. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they're going back to some themes that they do love. You've got religion. Yeah. And you've got absolute filth. This is stark bollock naked, tied to a cross in a leather-bound kind of dungeon. This is kind of Fifty Shades of Grey, but, yeah. but you know, more heroin. Well, yeah. Uh, Fifty yeah. Shades of Brown. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fifty Shades of Brown sounds like a different type of video, yeah, actually, doesn't it? But, but I suspect they'd sign German in origin. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to come around my house and watch the Shades of Film? But yeah, like, the lyrics in this, I think, are brilliantly done. About, about no one's perfect. Don't feel guilty about your sexual peccadilloes and the stuff you're into. Embrace it and just go for it because, you know everyone's got some fucking weirdness. You you enjoy yourself, mate. Don't feel guilty. Well, I'll tell you what this is, right? This reminds me of, and I, I cannot name this person because they'll stab me through the heart. Cool. Okay, yeah. But a friend of ours, who will remain nameless, right, never phones me up for advice. Mm-hmm. Never phones me up for advice. But he got in a situation where he'd been offered a threesome. He'd been offered a threesome with this girl that he'd been seeing, and he was going to come down to Brighton where we live uh-huh. and it was going to happen. And the first time he's ever phoned me up for advice was to ask me whether he should do it. And the only reason he phoned me is because he knew out of everyone he knew that I'd say, go and fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just go and do it, mate. Of course. Why wouldn't you, right? Because right. that's who yeah, I am. Sure. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I'll do that. You're Dave Gowan. You're Martin Gore. <laughs> He just creased me. Still never phoned me up for a... a, a Nothing since. No, nothing since, mate. I mean... Maybe even really badly. Yeah, I just presume that uh, (laughs) nothing else has happened since then. Shout out to my friend. No, I'm not (laughs) going (laughs) to... Great. Okay. When I was listening to this as well, uh, if we just do a little bit more of the tune, I'll sort of skip to the middle of it. Brilliant chorus. Terrific. Why were they never offered a Bond thing? Oh my god, you're right. Why did they never do that? They would have been so good. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, 1990s, this is... No. Well, that was GoldenEye, so that was what Tina Turner did that. No, um, Gladys no. Knight? No, that's Licence to Kill. Licence to Kill. Okay, well... well so we, no, we would, I mean... GoldenEye I'm was Tina think. Turner. So when was, when was Living Daylights? That was... 88, No. It must be a bit earlier than that, because it's AHA that did the... AHA didn't still have a career then, did they? Yeah, no, they was, it was right at the end. Because um, oh, okay. you'd had View to a Kill, yeah. which was, what, 86? Yeah. And then, so that's usually every two years. So 88, maybe 89, 88. Which we can all agree is the best one thing. No, that's been very wrong, but okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh-huh, in 88, 89. 1990 would have been GoldenEye. Yeah. Which which is, it's Tina Turner, isn't it? Oh, GoldenEye. Right, right, right. yeah. 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 Yeah, why weren't they doing this? Yeah, they should. They, I mean, they still should. That would be brilliant. And what they should do is they should go back in time and take the one away from Sam Smith. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I mean, to be fair, that film was a piece of shit as well. Oh, it was, so. it I mean, I'm, I, do you know what? I, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm talking. I I like Bond films of the eighties. I don't I don't give a shit really anymore. I I want to like new ones because I think Casino Royale was such a, a game changer for the, the series that they had this massive opportunity just to be fucking brilliant again and they had a couple in there which are good but they've got a couple which is tough as shit I mean I think Casino Royale's a bit boring do you? I can watch that any fucking time I think it's brilliant anyway right so okay. but yeah no, it's, 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 as I say a shame they never did Right, so yeah, so that's kind of the first half of the album we're looked at. And so far, frankly, so brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. Let's take a quick break from that and have a look and see what is in the top 10 UK singles this week. And again, there's not too much change. There's a lot of stuff which is hungover from last week, just moving around within the top 10. Sure. Only a couple of newbies that we'll have a look at. Uh, number 10, Michael Bolton, I'm supposed to live without you. Brilliant. Nine, Jive Bonnie, that sounds good to me. Still fucking there. Uh, the first new entry, though, in at number eight this week. Yeah. yeah. Love it's this song. Good fun. I, I, yeah, I remember this coming out yeah. and me just thinking it was the best shit. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. I love that. Yeah, I, I love this record. You can hear you yeah, I've, I've got a playlist of songs that just make me happy, and that's on it. It's so good, so good. But uh, I, like I said in the previous podcast, that was uh, made me buy the album, made me buy Flood off the back of that single, one of the first albums yeah. I'd ever bought with my own money on vinyl, and I loved it at the time. Yeah. Some of it doesn't hold up so yeah, well. Yeah, I think we talked about this one briefly yeah, on it, 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 it's, episode, didn't we? Exactly. It's it's still a lot of good fun, but there's some bits you go, all right, maybe this is a bit wacky for the sake of wackiness. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I worked in a comic shop around this time, and that, that album was on regular rotation yeah. there, along with the Conan the Barbarian soundtrack. Of course it was, mate. I it's, added I added, yeah. I added into the mix uh, for the one day I was allowed to choose music, uh, Death Certificate by oh, Ice nice. Cube, <laughs> and I was told, well, that's a bit hardcore, <laughs> and I was never allowed to pick the music again. Well, you brought that upon yourself, my friend. Well, I suppose I did. Uh, number seven is New Kids in the Block, I'll Be Loving You Forever. Yeah. Number six, Candy Dolphin, Dave Stewart, Lily Was Here. Number five, last week's number one, Beats International. Yep. That'd be good to me. Tank number five. four, uh, Erasure Blue Savannah. Great. Number three, Candy Flip, Strawberry Fields Forever. Fucking shit. Terrible. Number two, B-52's Love Shack. Yeah. But straight in at number one this week. This is a big tune. I remember loving this when it came out. Oh, my lord. Yes, mate. I love this. Is it the best use of the uh, of the rock the bells? <laughs> yes, it could well be. Maniac Brainiac winning the game. I'm, I'm the lyrical Jesse James. That's yeah, so good, man. So and that's good. of course not true because we all know that share. Yeah, quite. She she claimed that territory. Uh, the, so that's how the top ten was. Number one, brilliant. Uh, a lot of the other stuff were just like I say, messing around. However, in the rest of the charts, like going right, right down right. Uh, in this week, uh, there's some new entries or some that, that this is where they peaked. Number ninety four in the charts this week. New, new entry at number ninety four. Right. Rex and effect, new Jack Swing. Wow. Yeah. March 1990, New Jack Swing. You're a rubbish, Shaker. Go on, Teddy Riley. Indeed. Uh, I had no clue about that at the time, must admit. Not, I, kind of, I, I kind of vaguely did, because like I mentioned a, a couple of 
episodes of it go, mm. I did have a bit of a New Jack Swing period. Oh yeah, you loved it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was quite. It was like it was quite a, some of the cool kids at school were really into it, and yeah. I was into hip hop and. Yeah, you know, like Ralph Tresvant was in the. the mm. I, was, I think Bobby Brown, I really loved the most. Sure. Yeah. Well, he had the biggest chart hits for sure. Well, funnily enough, my my other neighbour uh, Ben, who yeah, you know, mm, Alfred Ben James's brother. Yeah. Uh, again, he had the Bobby Brown record, and I, I see. It, it was that what you did though, wasn't it? Back, oh, in, the, God, back yeah. in the day, you know, you, you had a little circle of people that, and they'd get the record, and you'd only have this small cohort of records between you, so you just get to know them all really well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Right, moving further on up the charts, number 35, uh, this one, is Jungle Brothers, What You Waiting For? Yeah. And, which, and this is, I, I wasn't big into Jungle Brothers, I, I loved De La Soul, I knew the Tribe Called Quest album, and a friend of mine played me some of the Jungle Brothers stuff, yeah. I wasn't as into it. Yeah, I mean, I've always been, I've always been the same. It was always the lesser of the major tongues. They were the also range, yeah. But, yeah, in retrospect, I appreciate it probably more than I did at the time, though. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. That's the thing. It's not bad, but... But if you're, if you're putting together, if you're putting together a track list of classic hip-hop albums, of classic hip-hop tracks, mm -hmm. what Jungle Brothers tracks do you go no. with? That you know, that's. It. I mean, they've got they've got great tracks and great you know kind of great characters, but yeah, it's yeah. not not second tier. They're always a support. You know, that's the sort of place I'd put them. Always supporting someone else better. They're they're, they're funk dubious to far side. There you are. There you go. Uh, number seventeen in the charts. Bit of orbital. Little yeah. Chime. Yeah. Indeed. And. Is it, this I've, is a great tune. I've heard this song live so many times. Really, yeah, I bet, actually. And I can remember it. Maybe once. <laughs> I, man, I know, I always remember this song. This song is just... Uh, I was not into Orbital at the time. Um, I knew this song because 15-year-old uh, me, I had some older friends who took me out to raves in... Wow. in uh, in the Belfast Student Union, the One One World Raves snuck me in, sort of thing, mm -hmm. and this was one of the fucking big ones of the time. And yeah. also, uh, I kind of a friend of a friend was one of the DJs there, and he would give everyone mixtapes. He, he'd put together playlists of what he was playing at these things. And Orbital was a big one, obviously. Sure, yeah, and it's a great tune. I'm not a big Orbital fan. I don't think mm. that they are. They're they're not my thing as much as they are a lot of other people's things, but that's a great song. That's because ecstasy isn't your thing as much. Well, there as you a go. Lot of that's true. Yeah. Um, or mine, mum. Um, <laughs> but yeah, number seven, and again, that's a big. I think number seventeen is a high chart position for what is essentially quite an underground song at the time. I mean, it was, it was such a big tune. Though. And mm. you remember, you know, uh, you know, this is a time when. You know, a lot of the Balearic stuff, the Acid House stuff, They you were getting breakaway kind of pop hits with some of those but things. Guru Josh. Guru Josh. Um, I'm trying to, trying to think some other examples. Um, uh, you know, we call it Acid. God, D-Mob, yeah. yeah. Um, Featuring no, Gary Hansman. True. They did have, and sort of LFO to an extent, they did have... Crush. They had a crossover, but yeah. I was surprised to see that that got that high up. Sure. But when, that many people bought that one single. When was Alternate? That's around this time. That's around that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Alternate being on top of the pops. And oh, yeah, KLF. Yeah, sure. Mm. So, I mean, I, I don't think I'm that surprised by and it. And The Orb, uh, you know, they had the hits with Perpetual Dawn and Little Fluffy Clouds. Yeah. But they, to me, were more pop crossover hits. They, they made sense that they were in the charts. 
this one I was just surprised. Do you know what the path of it was? Did it go in at this and then go out no, again? The, uh, no, it, it went in a lot lower, and this it peaked at seventeen. Oh, okay. Because <clears throat> obviously you, you have like what I always think of as the Iron Maiden effect as well, mm-hmm. where there's just such a big fan base on something that something gets released and it just outsells the rest of the pop chart. Right, sure. But then you know, because Iron Maiden with their number ones, they were always in and out, weren't they? Because yeah, everyone, everyone bought it day one, the fans, and yeah. then. And then, yeah, they had it and didn't need to do anything else. Yeah, yeah, true enough. Uh, but no, great tune, great tune. Um, similarly, again, I remember this from, I remember it from being on those tapes, the rave tapes, but I also, this was a big indie crossover hit. Uh, peaking at number 16. Just what is it that you want to do? Well, we want to be free. This was, this was one of the biggest songs you play in the indie clubs back in the Yeah, and, 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 and this was, you know, I mean, I remember this being all over the radio. Oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. This was, I mean, this, this is still the territory when I would record songs off of the, off okay. the, off the, off the yeah. top 40 on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this was definitely one that I had on my, on my next tapes. Gotcha. I remember I went to see them for my 16th birthday in 1991 uh, in Belfast with Andy Weatherall supporting as an opening DJ. Wow. Brilliant. It was, it was fantastic. You were so much cooler than I was. Uh, only age. because I had some friends who dragged me along to these things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I've got in here is uh, it peaked at number 14 in the charts this week. Is this the farm? No. no. Oh, God, this is what it feels to be lonely. It's, yeah, in Spiral Carpets. It's spiral Carpets. Yeah. Indeed, and I remember loving this at the time as well. I remember being a big fan of this tune. I, like I was just getting into Indian. This was an easy one to get into. See, I don't think I liked this. Yeah. But I know it so well. Yeah, you'll have heard this in clubs yeah. for for years and years and years. See, this is this is a this is an interesting thing. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I I might have said this to you before, but I've certainly not said it on the podcast mm-hmm. before. Now we are where we are in our forties. Yep. Right. Early forties. Yeah. Thanks. Um, but it's so strange isn't it that the music you didn't like from when you were younger mm-hmm. you know better than the new music that you do like <laughs> that's now. very true yeah and it's so weird isn't it because it's like you know I mean, if I went okay what's my if I, if I tried to name what my favourite album of this year was mm-hmm. uh, and I could I haven't thought about it but I, I, I could I, yeah you know, I still, I still you've got a favourite album but I tell you I don't know any of the songs on it as well as I know that song by the Inspiral Carpets you, which you, I bet have, you could sing along every lyric yeah which yeah. I've never owned never had but I've heard it so many times yeah. and you know because you're in environments around music and you live in music a lot more yeah you know when, you, when you're younger because you, that's just the, you know, the, the way you're moving that's so true but that's all I have for, for top 10 really this week uh, a lot of the, the top 10 are, are singles that's all I have for singles this week uh, the top 10 was very similar to last week so we've yep. done it and those were the big ones that were in the charts so again it's, it's interesting to see I think that stuff like Primal Scream uh, in Spiral Carpets Orbital are getting top 20 hits at this point it seems yeah. there is an, an influx of this kind of alternative is such a, a weird way, word to say about those ones but at the time it was no well, absolutely they are but you know when you listen and you hear that number one albums are the Christians mm-hmm. and Phil Collins there has to be a reaction to that sure you know there has to be you know like you know when you're when you're sitting hearing stuff that's like making you angry like you heard how we reacted to those records yeah. okay other people are sitting there reacting to those records and going oh, look, well let me do something about it 
Uh, indeed. There's 18-year-olds up and down the country forming bands going, let's never be Phil Collins. I mean, who knows? Maybe at the end of this podcast, we will be the new Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> One can only dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Right, back into Violator? Yes, back into Violator. Okay. So, what are we, track five? Uh, yes, we are. Yeah, track five, Waiting for the Night. Oh, the misnamed track. Yes, indeed, yeah. One of those uh, little factoids I read as well. Let's see how this one begins. So, so far, so sparse. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, it's it's almost like incidental music uh, in, a, in a film scene or something like that. Yeah, very much so. I'm kind of. What's anyone thinking of actually? Mm-hmm. Um, is it risky business. It's got that Tangerine Dream soundtrack. Oh. Texas. Oh no, that's Ray Cooter. I think, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Okay. Yeah, Risky Business, Tangerine Dream. All right, okay. Thank nice. you, Google, motherfuckers. Yeah, it reminds me of that, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Love on a Real Train, I think is the, uh, he says, having to really just I've got Love on a Real Train on a compilation, actually. So. Uh, yeah. No, okay. Um, it kind of reminds me of that. So this is, a, this is, a, this is uh, probably the prettiest song on the record. It's, it's very delicate, very fragile. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, as with everything, it's kind of like, you know, kind of minor. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Everything's in those kind of sad minor keys. Yes. And it's an incredibly melancholy song. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, if you, you know, if, if some of these songs are the kind of the, the bombast and the party, this this is the kind of the come down, isn't it? Sure, yeah, this is much more introspective and uh, showing your own fears um so do, so do we think he's waiting for the night to fall is a metaphor for waiting for it to be time to take the drugs uh i i, I definitely think there are allusions to be made i wondered if it was after you've injected you're waiting for it to kick in mm. that sort of thing I, like um, okay I've, I've done this or taken something maybe and you're waiting for the darkness to fall yeah that sort of thing yeah it's it's very much uh I need I need things to be bearable, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the world. You know the, it's you know it's actually it's a million miles away from a lot of the other statements on this record, which are very much these statements of the benefits of this bacchanalian lifestyle. Yeah, like the, here are the benefits of excess. But actually, this is the first time when you, you hear him going. Actually, maybe the reason I'm doing this stuff is because. Um, there's, there's I'm kind of too sensitive for this stuff. I'm, Maybe. You know, I mean, let's face it, most people that I've known that have been massive caners will always dress it up as doing it for the sheer lols, but mm-hmm. normally behind it there's something, yeah. something you know, self-medicating on some level. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, it could be that then. It could be. Um, I, mean, I had it I had it pinned possibly more as, uh, like you say, the previous songs... And previous themes have been about being in control and mm. being the one controlling and this was 
wanting to not not relinquish control to someone else, but just not have to be the one in control. And so hiding away from the real world, yeah. hiding away from everybody else, uh, drawing into yourself and, and 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 not having to deal with other stuff. But the, yeah, the, but the interesting thing is, it's like, you know, you, if you're, if you're living your life as a as a you know kind of a you know rock star in this mm. you know in the world of the nineties where you could realistically put yourself in this state of you know kind of arrested development mm -hmm. be a kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for caricature of yourself sure yeah you know what are you actually you know what's the realities that you're dealing with I think you know he's not talking about oh you know I, I don't want to deal with all the bills and all of the admin oh, he's, no. he's not talking about it he's I think he, you know whatever he's talking about it's got an emotional weight to it yeah yeah that would, I'd agree with that but you know for me I, I think I'm pretty sure it's you know I'm you know I'm just waiting for the time when I can get Fucked. fucked up yeah yeah that's that's where that's where i'm at with it yeah and there's another more uh, there's another religious reference in there where he's talking about waiting for the angel to come down yeah uh, and visit him so again i wasn't sure if that's just for religious reference yeah. fun if, if martin gore is just putting other stuff in again catholic guilt or whatever yeah. um or if, if he's saying the angel is the drugs and waiting mm. for for that to to, to come to sure. Him. So you know, like you know, one of the more kind of uh, somber, self-effacing. So okay. yeah, I mean, somber. It's, it's a good track. I like it. It fits well on the album. Yeah, and I really like the the chorus of it. I think that the the, the backing track because it is so like you say sparse and there's not so much going on. But uh, the vocals that he puts on it, I think, work so well, and there's a really beautiful chorus in there. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, that pulse and build at the start, mm -hmm. in context, coming out of the back of Halo, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing about this record. You know, we, we talk about these tracks in isolation a lot on this podcast, but actually the way this whole record hangs together, yeah. the way it moves, segues from one track to the other, um, you know, there's not a lot of fade-outs on this record. Mm -hmm. Everything has been you know uh, either it's the greatest coincidence that everything fits together like this or someone's given it a lot of thought yeah and then this one you know like you said coming out of Halo but then it's going into the next song yeah and it, it's perfect for that the build up to that uh -huh. yeah so, so yeah let's yeah. Uh, track number six yeah This was the second single, January 1990, this came out. This was the top 10 single in the UK, wasn't it? This did really well. It was like, it was like top three. I'm not sure, actually. I mean, I, yeah, I remember this song being massive. I remember the video being everywhere. Yeah. And, and not uh, yeah, the chart show, all the over chart the chart show. Yeah, definitely, stuff like yeah. That. I don't think I appreciated it. For what it was not at all I remember it happening yeah and I remember liking it yeah but I did not throw myself behind it in the way I should have done because this is stunning oh mate this is amazing yeah maybe it's because this is this is so different to personal Jesus and I was really into personal Jesus that when this came out I thought oh this is good but it's not personal Jesus maybe that was one of the things I'm not sure I wanted it to be more of that yeah. and it wasn't you know, this is a different flavour, obviously. Yeah. Again, a, a pretty much perfect pop single. You just got mm. that really, really simple doo -doo 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 mm -hmm. that runs all the way through it. I remember know. I was reading that apparently Martin Gore brought this into the studio as much more of almost an a cappella kind of thing, yeah. uh, just with a, a very basic beat behind it. 
and it was the the rest of the band and the producers who went this could be fleshed out into something amazing yeah. because the tune Alan, is so good Alan Fletcher was like was it Alan Fletcher, right. Alan Fletcher and, uh, and the producer who's it Flood and, and, oh Flood yeah. Yeah, yeah right so they, they said no, okay no we need to build this up a bit more it can be even better than it is and then they said and, and that little guitar bit if you if you had something else well it was, the, it, something. Was, it was the beat it was the, the that was the first piece it was like because uh, it was originally oh, the, it was originally dun, designed dun, as a, dun, a kind of a you know a slow kind of atmospheric song and like no let's put a kind of basically a dance beat on mm-hmm. it um which is obviously incongruous with it because obviously that makes the rest of it run at kind of like you know like half a quarter of the time sure but it totally changes the feel of the song yeah um and yeah i mean i i think it would be probably a similar article that i read yeah, but and it was saying that in once they once they, they got it down and recorded it really really quickly and then afterwards they, they tried to tinker with it loads in pose and try, kept adding bits to it but everything they added in were like actually no we don't need this yeah and, that, and that's why because i mean it you know one of the most simple depeche mode songs oh you know, sonically sure yeah but you know the, you know the, the lyrics for me, that you know, the enjoy the sizes, they conjure this kind of feeling of you know, you've got this kind of sensual moment. You know, Dave's with you know, a partner of some mm-hmm. sort, and they start to say something, and he's like, No, look, just shut the fuck up, mm-hmm. you're ruining this. <laughs> right? So, for me, what this is, is like, um, this is like a goth version of you say it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> it's just a shut the fuck up, right. <laughs> I'm experiencing things. <laughs> what do you think? It's like he's trying to put it in the arse. Fucking hell! <laughs> and uh, and this person's going, oh, what, what? We didn't discuss this. He's going, shh, it's okay. And what it's you're all des- right. you, you realize what you're describing there is a rape. Well, yeah, okay, maybe he's not doing that. Unless, let's, let's for legal reasons say so he's definitely, <laughs> definitely not, not doing, doing that. that. Okay, true enough. Um, so yeah, no, he's a. But no, it, 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 I'm being facetious. What I'm getting, if you go down that route of lyrical understanding, is that it's about a moment being so perfect that whatever you try and say or or, or add to it is is unnecessary. Also, can I give you that moment of like where you've had an argument? Oh yeah, right. All right. And you and you're in that moment of reconciliation, but you realise that that moment of reconciliation is probably actually false and you're at the end of something. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I don't know yeah. why, but it gave me that kind of... Cause yeah, I, I mean, picking I, that up. I, I kind of gave that vibe. It's like, you know, don't say anything. Enjoy this silence because after this it's over. Ah, right. I mean, you know... And I, I'm, okay. I, that, I'm kind of saying that apropos of nothing, but it's just, you know, like music... It's sparked l- out. L- lyrics give you, you know... Yeah. And that's, so it's, it is what it is, but... Or it's about drugs. Oh, it's about drugs again, yeah. yeah. All I ever wanted is here in my arms. Oh my god! Yeah, I, exactly. I never thought of it in that way. Yeah, I, I, I thought it could. There, there's ah. that second tier. Maybe he's talking about heroin again. Yeah, I mean, he 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 very much, very much could be. Yeah, I, mean, I, I suspect that's deliberate. I suspect yeah. that they've deliberately phrased it so that you can uh, look at it both ways. But it's and again, if you're putting that into a pop song and getting that played on Radio One. That's nice and uh, subversive. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Absolutely. Which so. is which is exactly what they've been doing for years. Right up there with Ebenezer Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, just as subtle. Just as subtle, yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> right. Okay. So um, right, fantastic. Song. Next we have. Uh, I don't even need to dwell on this particularly. There's a pause at the end of this song. Right, yep. And then we have. I mean, don't we need to play it? No, no. There's uh, like not not a hidden track, but there's a. Oh uh, no, it is described as a hidden track. Is it? It's called. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't think it's ever officially been named, but I think right. it's known as Crucified or sometimes Interlude Number Two. Right. Okay. Because Interlude Number One is on the is on uh, music for the masses, I think. Right. Okay. And then the, this is another this one. This is Interlude Two. And basically, what it is is it's a it's a stretched out Martin Gore vocal. Uh, I think it's my voice, and I think he's just saying crucified, and they've stretched it and fucked around with it, and it's a space filler between Shit, two songs. Fucking art, mate. That's fucking art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I imagine the the process would have been Martin Gore going, "I want to do this." The rest of the band going, "This is." Probably not a good idea, but tell you what, he's written the entire album, so we have to let him do what he wants. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think at this stage in Depeche Mode there was. Much, yeah, I, I think the the dynamic of it is we do what Martin Gore says. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's what I think that's what that is, and that's probably part of their longevity and success is just having a clear. A well, it's clear a dictatorship, group. but it works. Yeah, he's got a vision. And it goes from that. I wonder as well because obviously he did write these songs. Uh, it occurred to me in the video for Halo, uh, there is a bit. It's, it's an Anton Corbin directed video. Martin Gore is dressed up as a clown and he's juggling. Right. And Dave Gann is strutting about bare chested in a, a leather jacket. And guess who gets the girl? Martin fucking Gore oh, as a clown. So yeah, I wonder if he's just gone. Nah. Mate, I'm I'm the real powerhouse in this. I can get I can do what I want. Quite possibly, mate. Quite Never possibly. Uh, but so after the interlude, we go into policy of. And this was the third single. This was May 1990. This came out. Simple opening lick. Yeah. Loops it around, loops it around, loops it around, and the rest of the stuff builds behind it. Yep. Again, this single number three? Single number three, yeah. It works as a single, because it is it's a tune that is obviously going to get played on radio. It's it's, yeah. it's uh, catchy enough for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but the, the chorus is a bit that, that brings it in for me. I think that, that the opening and the verses are very good, but the chorus, I think, is... A step above. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's, you know this is one of the songs straight away when I heard. So I got just grabbed me. Yeah. Because it's like, never again is what you swore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's it's great. That's a big sing along. Yeah, it's a huge one, huge chorus. I mean, uh, you know, lyrically, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's kind of seems to be about someone with a bit of a big mouth gets themselves into trouble. Says, tells it how it is. Oh God. Oh, those people! Those people that you work with in the office. You know, there's one of our friends that that, that does this, particularly online. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Love him, yeah. Love him, but <laughs> does it? Does it? Um, and Quite. then like and gets themselves in trouble. Is like, like, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing this again. I, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not getting involved. And then next time, bang, bang. straight in. <laughs> Never again is what you swore the time before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't take it from quite so so much of that. I took it as someone who cheated. I, I took it as someone in a relationship who cheated and admitted and, it, and admitted it, 
and Dave Gann is questioning whether that's the right thing to do. Have you done sure. that for your, for your own purposes to clear your conscience, knowing that it's going to wreck the relationship? Yeah. Or do you keep it to yourself and just try and make everything smoothed over? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I took from it. Do you, do you do you be honest and risk ruining everything? Yeah. Or do you just maintain the status quo and bury it? Yeah, you've got your policy of truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what, that's what I was taking from the, the impression. Again, it's a word, policy of truth. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of wording that. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and again, you know, like for, you know, for years I've, I've never really thought too much on what that meant, but policy policy of truth and where policy of truth. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I did think there's a one bit of, th- about three minutes in, where there's some horn stabs that I thought were a bit out of place. So let me see if I can find a this. Bit, a bit out of place in the 90s. <laughs> Oh no, see that just sounds really Duran Duran. It sounds like yellow to me. No, <laughs> I mean I know what you mean. That sounds yeah. like that yellow, but like down, 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 down. But no, like um, think the reflex. Sure. Yeah. Okay. No, I thought it's one of the cheesier Duran Duran. Oh, let's face it. That's brilliant. You leave the reflex alone. <laughs> You've gone too far this time. Oh, no, I was overstepped. No, that's the lyric. <laughs> but I'm dancing on the danger line. Yeah. But um, all right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a fantastic song. I'm not taking anything away. I just thought that that was a strange kind of bizarre sign to, to chuck in there at the end. Well, I think you're wrong. Fair enough. I'll take it. Uh, right, we're close to the end. We're on track eight of nine next. Which, okay. Which is Blue Dress. Yeah, God. Right. Well, nine. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, the, the whole album is filth. Yeah. But fuck's sake. This, yeah, this is... I mean, that, that, that's quite a quite a quite a housey sample, almost. Isn't sure, it? yeah. But everything about this is slightly off kilter. That's a very good phrase for it. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like a I don't know, like kind of a, kind of Tim Burton-y in a way. Right. Like no, that's that's a bad example. It almost sounds like that sirens calling yes, to you. That's yeah. a better example. Yeah, beckoning. Yeah. Psycho kind of section. But this mm. I mean this is this is the song that the band describe as the pervy one on this yeah. record. Out of out of uh, an album of pervy songs. Yeah. This is the one. Yeah. yeah, I mean this is you know, an album of pervy songs from a band who's got a song called Master and Servant. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, true. I, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, I suppose, right? No, no, you're absolutely right. But so, I mean, this is, I mean, it's just an incredibly, it, it's creepy. It is. Well, it, listening to it, you do feel like maybe I shouldn't be hearing these thoughts that these people are having. Yeah, it's like a kind of voyeuristic thing. Yeah. Right? So he basically, he's like going, put on the dress that I like. Because mm. uh, watching you do the, you know, it's like you do this thing just for my gratification. Yeah, yeah you'll find out just how easy it is to please me. Yeah. By putting on these clothes. Right. And I'll be honest with you, the question that came into my mind mm-hmm. that I didn't want to know the answer to is how old is this person? Oh, God. Right. <laughs> that was in my mind. I was like, that fucking dress had better not be a uniform. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I, well, yes, I do know, but fucking hell, okay, I'd not thought of that. <laughs> you know, uh, and you know, I, oh. it's just think about the dynamic of that conversation. Right. It, 
it feels like I mean maybe I don't know maybe it's just the environment we're in now it feels like someone possibly abusing their power right okay taking advantage well who knows man I mean mm-hmm. who knows I mean you know obviously the whole master and servant the whole S&M dynamic mm-hmm. is very much based around consent okay? oh yes yeah, and yeah. it's based around two people being you know being into the same thing so let's give him the benefit of the doubt yeah yeah make you be as filthy as you want to yeah. in your little room so so at the heart of it it's about the idea that either female beauty or male sexual attraction or some combination of the two is what makes the world go around yeah and, you know obviously on some level that is yeah it's, you know, it's, it's a, a you know, way of looking at it. drive is the thing that kind of propels all of us sure. in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, and probably a lot more if you're in Depeche Mode. Good lord! Mm. You know, it's a it's a kind of proper. When you like delve into this song, it's kind of proper creepy. It is. Imagine as well uh, if you were listening to this album with a loved one, with your significant other, and not necessarily getting jiggy while the album is on but if, it, if it's just on hang on let's unpack that for a second <laughs> did you just say getting jiggy that's the that's the, the the phrase that the kids use these days isn't it uh, what in, in in 1991 sure Mate, we're back in the millennium <laughs> true uh, fuck me Bruce, but yeah, if, <laughs> if uh, so if you're listening to this with your partner yeah. uh, your lover and it gets to this song I can't take you saying your lover seriously. <laughs> hey, fucking Mr. Loverman over here. <laughs> God, it's what you got for me. Uh, yeah, when, when it gets to that song, because, yeah, the rest of the album, it's filth, but yeah. it's, it's it's good feeling, dirty filth. Yeah. This is a little bit, oh, I don't know if I want to look over here. <laughs> There's something happening in that room, and I shouldn't look, so I'm not going to. Oh, it's that sort of thing. When it gets to that, is, is there surely? So like, we just uh, we get this do, one. Do, love? do you know the thing is? Well, I've got. I, I kind of understand. I, I can define this experience for you completely. Okay. Right? Completely, because I've had that experience. Okay. My mum and dad, bless them. They have people on the TV that they like and stuff, but they're not like the kind of people that are like. You know, they don't read the art section of The Guardian or sure. whatever. So, you know, kind of they would pick films according to who was in them and things along those lines. Right. So I had an experience when I would have been about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, my mum and dad, they really liked Julie Waters. Okay, yeah. You know, Julie Waters, she was in all the, you know, the kind of the Victoria, Victoria Wood, Wood stuff, stuff yeah. and all of that. But um, she did a film called Personal Services. Oh, this rings a bell. Okay. Yeah, so it's about Cynthia Payne, uh, the kind of the kind of uh, you know the, the, madam. the madam. Yeah. yeah. And so it is. It is an incredibly sexual film. I mean, as I remember it, and we sat and watched that together as a family. Oh God. And oh, no. I was not in a comfortable way. Oh, for that's that. awful. So that's I, I understand. I mean, like obviously right. we're talking about lo- you know lovers, but if we're talking about discomfort and not Jesus, yeah. Christ, when it gets to, when was. it gets to a certain point, you go, oh, shall we just turn this off? Yeah, uh, it's like you know. I mean, I, I think I learned what a blowjob was from that film. <laughs> no one wants to learn what a blowjob is when their mum's in the room. <laughs> That's no, especially if she's going. Oh, no, that's not how you do. It. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> oh, you know the good thing you've got going for you, right? Is that my mum's seventy-five and she will have no idea how to get a podcast. Not true, because otherwise, <laughs> you know her. Yeah, I, I would have to look her in the face again. Well, I'm gonna fucking send this. To her. <laughs> let's move on from yeah, this. This is this is a yeah. terrible discussion we've stumbled into. Uh, the last song on the album, Clean. 
Please be clean. I know you've missed interlude, interlude number three. Oh, should I have? Okay. Yeah, well, uh, don't worry, it doesn't matter. It's, I mean, it's another, it's a synthy interlude. It's quite nice. Let's right. move on. Okay, right. So, yeah, the last song proper on the album is Clean. Here we are. Yeah. We're in John Carpenter territory. Oh, uh, that is it. But I'm sure you, you've probably read the same sort of stuff. This was inspired by a Pink Floyd song. Yes, yes, yeah. And I went back and listened to that. Because I, I couldn't think of it in my head, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh yeah, this really is." Yeah, I mean, it, it's inspired. It's, yeah. it's written off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the most dark and brooding song on a fairly dark and brooding album. Okay. In, the, in the same way that Blue Dress is the perviest. Okay, right, sure. Yeah, yeah. Album. Lyrically, you know, clean, the cleanest I've been. I mean, I don't know whether that alludes to a very brief period because. He certainly wasn't. No, absolutely. Uh, he may have been for a few days, but he certainly... <laughs> what would he woke up once? The cleanest I've been. Yeah. I've just brushed my teeth. My yeah. ass. <laughs> but then I also wonder, because of this, and, and there was that something else uh, earlier on, that Martin Gore is making him sing these songs, mm. th- these lyrics. I wonder if he's trying to make a point. Well, I mean, mm, I don't know. Does, does Martin Gore write all the lyrics? I'm not clear whether that's the case or not. Okay, actually, I'm not sure. Um, Maybe not, but if, if if Gan is doing this off his own back, then it's an interesting uh, yeah. route to be taking singing about this. But yeah, again, which take on this one? You like it? I do. I really like it. I think my favourite bit of it is that, despite the the positive message of each bit, the cleanest I've been, etc., etc., at the end of each verse, yeah. he just goes sometimes. And it's yeah. like undercuts everything he's just said. Yes, yes he's like, uh, I've, uh, well, let's see if I can play the first bit of it here. Yeah, I like what's starting to come through now and getting clean sometimes. Yeah. yeah, there's that, but I don't really. Yeah, I, I, I really like that bit of it. I really like the kind of unrepentantness of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Even in the in even in the face of penitence, he's unrepentant. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We live at the moment in some pretty self-effacing times when where we're all very keen to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And there is something to be said for just doing the wrong fucking thing and being a scumbag every time. <laughs> well, it's very, very entertaining watching other people do it and listening to their just tales about it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've watched you do it a few times. Good man. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we've yeah, we've all uh, anyway. <laughs> we all came out a bit worse off. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I've obviously I've been a very clean living individual my whole life. Of course. Um, so of course, Dave and Dave's mom, if she listens to this, yes, she won't be listening to it. Mate, you don't apologise for that. <laughs> <laughs> take you back to the blowjob. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I think I think this is a really good way to end the record. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. It's it's a, it's a good ender. It's the right it's the right feel. Um, I don't think I've got too much else to say about that. Song. No, I think it's I think it's a, a, a terrific song. I I think it, there's a sly wink towards the message of I'm getting off these uh, bad things. I'm getting out of that lifestyle. I'm doing what's right, and I like the new person I've become. Sometimes. I yeah. love that. I think it's it's a very clever song. I mean, I saw I saw Depeche Mode last year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
work out how many of the songs off that record they played. Oh, that's a thing. wonder. They actually only played two last time I saw them. I'm going to assume Personal Jesus oh, enjoyed the silence. Three. Three. It was definitely three. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, and World of My Eyes then. Yeah, and World was of it those My three? Eyes. Right. Yeah. No, I would have really, really, really liked to have heard um, Policy of Truth yeah. personally yeah. live, but did not. But they did play my favourite Depeche Mode song, so... Which is? Uh, it's No Good. Oh, right, okay. Which is, okay. Which is on Ultra. Yeah. Um, but then, you say that because obviously I know you're a huge fan. Love this album. Imagine seeing them on this tour. Could you imagine oh, how mate. amazing that would have been? Oh, yeah. yeah. But, actually, well, do you know what? I would have liked it a mm. great deal, but my fa- you know, I, I really like all the stuff in varying degrees the stuff that came before sure. uh, this right yep. but um, apart from music for the masses I'm not a whole album on Depeche Mode up okay. until this point really okay. yep. I'm digging into the singles because much in the way that you know kind of a lot of old electro and hip hop is you know the sign of what would when I go back to you know to kind of old school hip hop now I'm not going back to 86, 87 I'm going back to 90. You know, yeah, every now, yeah, I'm going 90 to 93. Fair enough. That's yeah. kind of where I'm going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, similar to this. So for me, the ideal time to have seen Depeche Mode properly would have been Songs of Faith and Devotion. Oh, okay. Because okay. that album is so much. In fact, the, the, the ideal time would have been on Ultra. Uh, I just wish I'd seen them a lot more than I have in my life. No, that's, yeah, fair enough. Because I saw them, when I saw them last year, it was, you know, I mean, I, you know we've, we've both been to hundreds of gigs in mm-hmm. our life. Mm-hmm. And that was straight away top 10 gig for me. Instantly. Instantly. Anyway, That's right. Fantastic. Well, so, there you go. Violet. Let's wrap this album out. As, as a whole, what do we think to it? Oh, I, I, it's stunning. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it's. Uh, I mean, the the bits that are good are ten out of ten. Uh-huh. The the lowest it goes is maybe five or six out of ten for me, and it doesn't do that hardly ever. I mean, I, I don't think I don't. I mean, I wouldn't go as low as a five or a six out of ten on any of these songs. Yeah. What are the low points for you? Uh, low points. But again, low point is a. Is the wrong thing to sure. say. I think Blue Dress has a place in what it does. I don't think it's a good song. I, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, you're not going to listen to it in isolation. Sure. As a, the way that that album kind of goes down and ends, I think it's perfect. I think, you know, I, I think that when you go as big mm-hmm. as these things in as singles, mm-hmm. you've got to come down a little bit. For sure. the, you know, for, if you want to go on, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer on the journey of a record. Yeah. Okay. And it, you know, needs to take you through a load of different emotions. And I think if you go, enjoy the silence, policy of truth. Yeah. You know, you need then blue dress. Yeah. You, then you go blue dress and then and clean uh, and clean. And you're, you know, you're, you're kind of changing the vibe, you're slowing it down. And yeah. Yeah. Th- this is a record that I will, that I, I would go, I, I want to listen to this album today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll put that record on and I'll listen to it to start to finish. And then after I finish with that record, I might go, now I want to listen to this other Depeche Mode record. And there's not many okay. bands that do that for me. Like normally I'll be like, I'm in the mood for this. Mm, but, but, <laughs> but like with Depeche Mode, it's like, okay, I've listened to that. Now I want to listen to them do something else. Because each one okay. of these things is this, uh, obviously they've always got a, an essence of what they are. Oh, it's always um, that's Depeche Mode. You hear anything and you go, that's Depeche Mode. Yeah, but there's so much in all of them, particularly if if you if you're listening to this and you like Depeche Mode uh, on some level, or you haven't heard these records for longer, all I can advise you to do is get yourself a really high quality set of headphones right. and just sit and listen to the amount of stuff that sits in the mixes of these records because 
the devil's in the detail with these records, okay. definitely. Well, I, I imagine that's absolutely deliberate on their part. They put so many things in because they are perfectionists. Well, absolutely, and that's you know, I think you know, I think Martin Martin Gore is you know just a you know he's a craftsman. Anyway, so yeah, that's 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 that. So look, look a classic. Uh, you know, I'm glad we did that. We look, we said we weren't going to do the compilation, so we didn't do David Bowie in yeah. depth. This was. Uh, a gem to have in a, a number two as an excuse to talk about yeah, this. Exactly yeah, that, exactly Brilliant. that. And I think, you know, I think maybe as we go along, uh, as some of these records come out, maybe we'll do some specials here and there. Absolutely, little uh, bonus podcasts. Yeah. Stick them behind a paywall or something. Oh, yeah. We'll Make some money fans. off this. Be millionaires, yeah, mate. As if, mate. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, thank you very much for listening to uh, episode four. Um, sorry if this wasn't quite as uh, kind of funny or as piss taking as some of the other ones are. Uh, unfortunately, when you really like something, it's hard to be a prick about it. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. So, uh, what we got next week, Krista? Next week, we have The Carpenters the best of uh, okay. the, the Richard and Karen Carpenter thing. Okay. So, again, we won't be doing an in depth on that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to work out what we are doing, but we'll leave that as a surprise for you, I guess. Yes, indeed. Tune in next time. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to Pop Collaborator Listen, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.